Your Story with Melinda Estabrooks, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Listen for new episodes every Monday and subscribe to the podcast at faithstrongtoday.com. Our stories have the power to connect us, to inspire us, and give us courage. On Your Story with Melinda, your story matters. Well, welcome to another show on Your Story with Melinda. My question for you today is this. Are you longing to find God in ordinary places? And have you you ever dreamed of owning and living in an old Victorian farmhouse one day and just having the ability to just sit and take care of chickens and hens and, and grow a vegetable garden? For some of you, that is heaven. And that is home. And so I have the perfect guest today that's going to share with us about her experience on a Victorian farmhouse and how she left, this is amazing, how she left the university classroom for a large vegetable garden and a hen house in southeastern Pennsylvania. My guest today is Christy Purifoy. And she's been a regular contributor for a variety of online sites, including Grace Table, Pick Your Portion, and A Deeper Story. And you've probably seen her essays on websites and blogs by Lisa Joe Baker, Jennifer Dukes-Lee, and our good old Canadian girl, Anne Voskamp. Uh, She has taught literature and composition to undergraduates at the University of Chicago, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and the University of North Florida. And Christy is going to share with us her incredible journey and story at Maplehurst, this Victorian farmhouse. So, Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. I am so glad that you're with me. And you're actually in your farmhouse right now. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And this old place always needs work done. So you may hear some hammering behind me. (laughs) That's okay. Let's start off so that our viewers and listeners get to know you before we really talk about this journey and year at at Maplehurst. So let's start with you. Growing up, how you found Jesus, what's your background and story, Christy? Right. Well, I I live in Pennsylvania now. I actually grew up in Texas. So I grew up in the deep south where we didn't have seasons and uh, hot, hot summers. But my parents were in Christian ministry. They worked for uh, a discipleship organization called The Navigators. So I grew up in the church. Um, I grew up with parents who were living out um, their faith uh, just every day and, and simply but boldly. Um, and so I was raised in that. But of course, I think, um, as many of your listeners will know, um, that's a great foundation to begin with. But at a certain point, that faith of your parents has to become your own. And so um, as for so many others, it was a process of growing up into that faith. And um, and for me, part of it has been um, an actual geographical journey as I left Texas and eventually found myself living in the city. I lived in Chicago for 10 years. Um, and my uh, experiences there in that place, and then my how I think about my coming home here to uh, an old farmhouse in Pennsylvania. That's been a geographic journey, but also a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. So what spurred on or started you and your husband to actually move to a farmhouse? For me, Christy, I'll be honest, it kind of terrifies me. I'm a bit of a city girl, but I've been brought up and grown up in the suburbs. But for me to kind of go to a farmhouse, my heart's like, to do, to do, to do. And it's like, it gives me a little 
anxiety thinking of all the work and whatnot. So what was sort of the impetus to, to get you to a farmhouse? You know, it's, it's a strange thing because I love city life. I love living in Chicago. We were right in the middle of things. It was a fabulous experience. I felt at home there. Yeah. Um, so really what did it, it was, the, it was a winter season. It was a wilderness wandering season. It was a season we lived through where everything that had um, uh, just been special and meaningful in our lives, you know, close-knit community and enjoying the four seasons up north in this, you know, northern city, Chicago, um, we lost all of that or we said goodbye to all of that and, and a job change took us down to Florida where we didn't find um, the same kind of community, we lost our, our connection with um, the natural world that we had in Chicago, which seems ironic as you think, uh, big city, but you know, we were in um, a place where the, the seasons were always shifting overhead and we didn't have that in Florida. So really it was when everything was stripped away and I, I in so many ways my dream had come true. I was now a professor, I was teaching, I wasn't doing it full time, I still had small children at home. Um, but the dream was beginning to come true, the dream that I had been working toward for so long when I was in graduate school. And um, and it wasn't what I thought it would be. And, and, and it was a real lesson of loss. So um, first winter, then spring. So this farmhouse and coming home to this place um, has been like uh, like spring. And so I just encourage uh, anyone that you know is dreaming big dreams that um, feels maybe um, the, 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 the fulfillment of those dreams feels farther off than ever, that it really does take winter, it takes loss, and it takes that season of, um, of emptiness and, and fat, you know, empty soil and so on for our dreams to come true. So I'm grateful for that season now, but it was hard. It wasn't an easy process. So how do you then, I mean, there's so many people who are like, I get it, Chrissy, you're, you're speaking my language. How do you make that courageous step because I know people are like, you know, I have big dreams, you know, and there are things I want to do in my life, but there are things like bills and responsibility and children and, and, you know, my, my husband's, my husband's work and, and parents that are, you know, aging. Like, how do, how do I, how do I do it? Like, because there's something in each of us that's longing that I want to, I want to jump out and, and do all the things I want to do that, that I love or has been a dream. And, but I feel like I'm stuck. I can't do it. Right. Well, I think another way maybe to look at it is that, you know, you can feel stuck, but then there's another thing that's just called waiting. Mm-hmm. And, and that's different than being stuck. Waiting is, um, you know, it's more, it's more hands open. Um, and possibly it's even more sorrowful saying, I can't fix this. I can't do this. I can't change this. I can't make this happen. But here I am. Here I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that may just be a changing perspective, a change in attitude. And it's something that happened to me while I was living in Florida, where when I moved there, I felt stuck in that way. I realized, okay, this isn't the life I want. This isn't the life um, I feel like I was made for, but I don't know what's next, and I don't know how to make it happen. Um, and so it was that shift from a sense of loss and a sense of stuckness and a sense of not fitting with my environment, not fitting with the life I was living, not being a good fit with that. Um, but it isn't actually something I made happen. But I, I received how hard it was, and then when the door opened, then when the opportunities came, I feel like me and my husband and, and our whole family, we were, we were ready to say yes, possibly because we were that desperate. <laughs> so it is about becoming <laughs> desperate. Now, you talk about in your book, it, The Roots and Sky. This is your first book. It's called A Journey Home in Four Seasons. You say in your book that this is my story, 
of a journey home. This is the story of a kingdom come. What do you mean by that? I, I think our, our, our listeners and, and viewers want to hear about your story and, and hear about this whole journey uh, of coming home. But talk to me a little bit about that because that's, that's, that resonates with a lot of people, just sort of like coming home and a kingdom come. So explain that to me. Sure. Well, first of all, you know, coming home to this place, we knew immediately that this was um, meant for us. It's what we've been prepared to do. It was, uh, it felt like a momentous homecoming. And yet the book begins with that moment because what I discovered in that first year is that the homecoming um, was just the beginning of a new journey. And actually that coming home in a way that we all long to come home, that real sense of belonging and fulfilling a purpose and um, just communion with our Lord and, and His church and all of that that we long for, um, it doesn't just happen when we open a front door in a new house. It is a process and it is a journey. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to capture that and share my own story of the first four seasons that we spent in this old house, of what that process was like for me. And um, in terms of a kingdom come, uh, you know, I thought, I think when we began our time here, that it was about me and it was about us and it was about um, our lives and how, how we, um, you know, how we fit into our environment. But over the course of that year, and especially as winter turned to spring and we began to um, invite our neighbors in and make connections in this area, I realized that it was um, not just about me, like that was just the beginning, but it really was about experiencing the God of the universe mm-hmm. in this small place where I was, this very ordinary little country place that the God who created the heavens was here too, and I could experience Him here in ways that I hadn't before um, in my life. So so the two are absolutely inter- interrelated. My life, my little home, and the kingdom of God. Wow, it's beautiful. Christy, paint us a picture of when you, as soon as you open that front door, what what was Mablehurst your home like? Like what? Like, were there things, was it like one where, you know, when you watch HGTV and you've got, it's like a fixer-upper? Or, like, give us a sense of, of, of the scope of work, what it was like, because I don't think it would have been a perfect, like, completely renovated home that you walked into and said, woo, I'm home, now everything's done, and everything's great. What That's was it like? True. That's true. And, you know, God was so gracious to us, and I think this is something to keep in mind, is that when he's asking us to make big steps, that often he will, I think, in his mercy and and um, love for us, he will perhaps conceal or hide the full extent of, of what he's asking us to step into. And so when we came here, what we saw with our eyes was a home that um, a lot of work had actually already been done. There were some remodeled bathrooms, there was a, a beautiful kitchen that had already been fixed up. And so what we saw was, yes, this is manageable, this mm-hmm. is doable, we can do this. Um, and over the but we've been here four years now, and over the course of these four years, what we've discovered is that, of course, it was so much bigger than we anticipated, and there was so much more that, that needed to be done. For instance, right now, we've been doing some massive uh, repairs on the brick walls, wow. and the windows, and the shutters, and the roof. We, we found rotting wood up there. Oh, no. that I had known on that first day. I might have been too scared. I might have said no. I might have said there is no way. I will never have the time or the money or the energy uh, for this. But I think God was gracious and he showed us just enough and he gave us the courage to step forward. Um, And of course, I'm grateful for that. And I know I'm right where I'm I'm meant to be. But I also know that um, if I had foreseen everything, Mm -hmm. uh, it would have been a much harder step for me to take. He's good that way, though. I've noticed in my own personal life that if he had given me everything, and sort of dumped everything in my lap that I always pray for, like give me the vision of my entire life, God, in the next 10 years. And 
I don't think I could handle it. Like, I don't think so afraid. Yeah, I'd be afraid. It'd be overwhelming. I'd be like, how the heck am I going to make that? What? Exactly. It right? would be so impossible. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. as you, through the seasons, experience this home, what did you learn about yourself? What, what did you learn as, as you came from a totally different environment into, you know, Pennsylvania farmhouse? What would you say, Chris, you learned about yourself as a woman and what God was saying to you um, in this new season of your life? Yeah, I mean, one thing I learned, I, I always known that I'm a homebody, that I love the home environment, I love being in my home. Um, it was one way, one reason why, you know, the teaching career I'd embarked on was, it was more of a challenge for me once I was uh, doing more of that. It was hard to be away from my home and my kids, but just because I love being at home. But, but one thing I also learned being here is that I love change and newness and mm. and so those impulses I think over the years had always been um, perhaps in tension in me. So what I found here in Pennsylvania is that I could stay at home while the sky and the season mm. shifted overhead and it's like every few months the whole world around me changes and yet I get to sit here in my home and witness <laughs> to the change. And and what I found that in witnessing those seasons and in witnessing the witnessing just the, the, the constant shifting beauty um, I was a witness to God's presence in the world, and and I think I learned too that um, that really is what I was made to do: mm. teaching, writing, mothering, all of it. Who I am as a witness to God in this world, and and really the only thing I want to do, and in, in whatever way I can do it, whether that's books or even just photos I share on Instagram, um, I want to be saying to people, "Look, here is your God. I mm. see them." see them and, and just hope and pray that they can see him too. You know, because I think that's a good reminder for all of us women, whether we're in, you know, a Victorian farmhouse or we're in a condo in an urban center or in the suburbs, like there needs to be an intention of, of, of waiting and watching and looking at glimpses of God everywhere. Yeah. I think for some of us, we're like, well, that's great for Christy. She's in a farmhouse because she, it's forcing her to really wait and have those moments. But, you know, for those that are in the city, it's like, no, actually, we have to be very intentional about it. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. we have to also, within our own environment, find those places of, of waiting and listening and being in awe of a sunset or, or, you know, our kids giving us a hug, those kinds of moments. And I would say that even for myself, um, because I'm like, oh, and I blame it on this, you know, frenetic, fast-paced life, I don't have the time. I need to go to like a retreat for a day to find it. I don't think that's right. I actually don't think, I think that we have to be thoughtful, intentional about finding those places and spaces within our everyday because we'll miss it. You know, we'll miss God in all uh, the ordinary ways and extraordinary ways. And in the ways you're like, oh my goodness, I've seen that every day, but that, I think that's really God speaking to me. And I think that's a, that's a good learning wherever we are um, to to do what you're saying, right? He is in all these places. And I think one thing I, I discovered here at Maplehurst that I think is relevant, no matter, again, if you're in suburbia or you're in a city condo, is that we get to sort of uh, collaborate with him in terms of clearing mm. space or opening up ground. In yeah. my case, I think quite literally, but it isn't always so literal, but opening up ground uh, for more of him and more of his presence and to act, you know, just to be with him more directly. And so for me in this place, that looks like gardening, it looks like clearing soil and planting flowers, mm -hmm. and then, wow, there is just even more of the glory of God. So it's not going to look like that everywhere, and yet I think that is work that we can all participate in. Yeah, I love that. And, and in that, you know, in your book, you talk about the gift of ordinary days. What, what do you mean by that? Because 
there are days that I feel like, yeah, they're absolutely ordinary. Other days I'm like, what an extraordinary moment of connection with women and sisterhood or, or um, just sort of like in my job, nailing it and, and, and feeling great about it or, or, you know, all these kinds of things. But when you buy like an ordinary day and that they're a gift, right. I love that. The thing about ordinary days, and by that I mean those days where you know we don't understand, they don't seem to fit into the bigger story. They aren't the mountaintop days, yeah. they aren't the valley days. We don't really know what they mean or what they're for. What is the purpose of those ordinary, just uh, yeah, average ordinary days? And I think to me the thing that's so crazy about them is just the the um, the excess of them. What are they there for? It's like looking at the the, the stars in the sky. There are so many. I mean, wouldn't the, the night sky be beautiful with a hundred stars? Be beautiful with a thousand stars. Um, but we just have countless, countless stars. And why? Why so much? And I think it's something about that that excess and that abundance that speaks of um, who God is and His love for us. And just some, it just gives me a glimpse into His personality where He says, "I will give you." I'll give you those mountaintop days, I'll be with you in the valley days, but I'm also going to give you just the ordinary quiet where um, we're just here, aware of each other. Chrissy, how do you hear God? Like, how, how does he speak to you? I know for, for women and men who listen, you know, there's that part of, you know, I, I am quiet, I'm trying to be intentional, but I still can't hear him. Uh, some of my girlfriends absolutely seem to hear him every single day and write about in their journals or write books. But there are some people who just, it's a real struggle to really know it's him speaking. And uh, your thoughts, how do you hear him and know it's him? And, and, um, and what can we do if we struggle with that, where we feel like I'm not hearing him at all? Um, how come he seems to be talking to other people, but not me? Right. Oh, that's a great question. And absolutely, I would emphasize that uh, it's going to be different for everyone, I think most likely. But for me personally, and it's the fact that I try to keep my um, my ears open, and I'm always sort of trying to keep open those those lines of communication, so that I'm I'm throwing mostly that sounds awful because I'm throwing my questions at him. I say, God, <laughs> <laughs> I get, yep, absolutely. And what's the answer to this? And what's the answer to this? And because I'm always doing that, when the answer comes, it might be very small. It might be something that looks on the surface like. Coincidence. It might be just a, a small thought in my head that I don't recognize that I think, but well, that's wise. What? Oh, where did that come from? And then it's a matter of faith, but just choosing to believe that well, that is God speaking to me. And the thing is, I never know 100%. There is always that element of doubt. Did God say that? Was that just me? Mm-hmm. Um, but choosing to step out in faith anyway and saying, I think that was the Lord speaking to me, and I'm going to move forward on that. That's encouraging because I think as we journey, especially as women through our faith with God, it's like this, right? Like ups and downs and mountains and valleys. And and I think in my own personal life, it's been just a faith thing. Like there are days where I'm like, I'm fetal. I'm in a fetal position on the floor and I'm in depression and I can't hear you. And other times I'm like, I'm so on with you, God. You know what I mean? Like it's just – and yet – I feel though I've never wavered from the fact that of who he is and how he loves me. Some, some people do, and that's a big struggle of their life, but I've always felt that life is like this. It is. And, and yeah. Yeah. Aren't they? They're shifting. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love the fact that he's, he's constant. And, and yeah. so it's funny because people have said to me, you know, Mel, even going through all the difficult things you have in your life, like, you know, I grew up as a Christian, you know, missionary kid and in, in the Philippines and, even though I was up and down and I went away from God, it's funny. I never, I never fully went away from him. 
like I always knew he was there with me and I always knew that he was he was true and he was the truth but I just it, that was just me whereas you know I hear a lot of people it's just it's been a struggle yeah. and I, and I've always said I think it's just a simple part of that I really believe that God loves me and he's for me and I've never doubted it and, and people are like but that sounds so like simple and childlike I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, that, it is. <laughs> it is. In your book, the title is Roots in Sky. This is my plug, everybody. If you can see it for her book, you need to go out and get it. Uh, why Roots in Sky? I love that imagery, right? Because it's like roots, deep sky. But talk to me about that, why you chose that title, but how those words, those images really resonate with you. Right. Well, I think one of the discoveries I made in this place is that once we had committed to be here, for better or worse, as they say, um, and our roots were going deeper, and we were planting trees and committing to watch them grow. The um, strange corollary to that is that I felt um, like I was seeing more of the heavens. I was seeing more of these very um, supernatural, spiritual reality of God's presence and His ongoing work in the world. And so, something about narrowing my world, making my world smaller in a sense, you know, now my world is just these few acres and just this home and just our, and, and literally I had, a, I had a baby in that first year, so my world became very wow. small, yeah. you know, I wasn't leaving the house, and so in this small world, sinking roots deep, which is painful work, it wasn't enjoyable, uh, especially during that first year and our first winter and my experiences after having my baby, that hard, often painful work was somehow, um, over time, opening up the heavens and, and bringing heaven near, I think mm-hmm. is what I experienced. So the nearness of heaven, the nearness of God's kingdom and his presence. And uh, so it really was um, a journey of realizing that the, the sky, the heavens were, were drawing near. Um, and so those those two um, those two images, those deep roots in, in the sky, I think are symbolic for me of that experience. Finally, some last thoughts here. Um, I, I want to talk about this in, in your book, this, this waiting and sacred time, you know, I, I, in life, I, I usually don't hear those kinds of that, those words, waiting and sacred time. You're like waiting. No way. I don't have time to wait. There's lots happening. We've got to get going. And even within the Christian context, Chrissy, it's like, you know, you know, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are feeling, let's go, 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 go. Right. And even within the Christian culture, there's a sense of go and urgency, you know? And so there's not a lot of, of, of people I'll be honest around me saying, you know, it's just waiting. You know, there's times of waiting. And, and, and in that also sacred time, you know, people are like, you know, don't waste time. And, and, you know, you don't have time to waste and, and, you know, we're, we're on, you know, like issues of time. But those two words, I'm like, when I read those and, and, and read through in your book, I'm just like, it was like a deep exhale, right? That there was something about waiting and sacred time that's needed within my own life. Cause I'm, I'm not like that. I'm a go, 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 you know, quick, do things, make things happen. And I hardly, which was a good reminder in your book, just to waiting and slowing down. So talk to me about those two, because I think we need to learn from you on those things. Oh, it's true. Um, You know, it's one thing I I experienced quite literally here in that first year and in the year since, especially as I've been gardening and and growing things here at Maplehurst. I learned that how necessary winter is, especially for growing particular plants. For instance, there are fruit trees that will not grow unless there are a certain number of below freezing days. 
Um, and so that time, that, that, that winter time that seems empty, that seems um, without purpose, that is just about waiting, is actually incredibly purposeful. And that without those days that seem empty, that seem cold, where you think nothing is happening, you cannot have fruit in the summertime. So that, I don't think that's a truth just for the natural world, but I think it's in front of our eyes so that we know this is how um, the this is how creation works. Yeah. This is how I work. And this is how God works. And so to receive those waiting times as purposeful, um, I think, is very important and, and, and encouraging. It encourages me. And then sacred time, something else I've learned here is that um, just as I participate with, with God in, in the growing of things, you know, I, I plant the trees or I mulch them or I weed, um, the same with sacred time. You know, He created time and He set aside days for work and days for rest. Um, but if we are not careful, all of our days will look just the same. And this isn't just about Sabbath and what we do on a Sunday. Yeah. It's so much more than that. It yeah. isn't just what we do on Christmas or how we observe you know, the holidays of the church. Um, it's about all of our days and about the, the, um, uh, the power or the, the privilege God has given us to shape our own days and to say, I've set apart this time and I will meet with the Lord. I will set apart this time as something something special. I will celebrate this day or, or this holiday or spend this time with my kids in such a way so that we know that God is with us here and now. And so a big part of the book was sharing, you know, some of our traditions and some of the ways that we observe the time in this house and in this place in order to become aware of um, the gift that time is. Yeah. And um, and not and, and that it isn't just something to be used up or consumed. Yeah. But yeah. joyed as well. I love that. I love that. Chrissy, so beautiful. You know, I think for me, honestly, personally, um, as I read through the book and and listened to you, it's good to be reminded and for so many of us to just wait and listen and and garden, whether it's actual physically gardening or in the busyness of our, our, our city or urban centers to cultivate and garden, you know, our relationship with God, with others, and just be intentional about this beautiful, wonderful relationship with him. You know, and I think, thank you. I mean, your your words are such a gift. Your experience at Maplehurst, which again, Maplehurst was the Victorian farmhouse that Christy and her family came to. What a great story. I hope it gets to, to be a movie or something. <laughs> and lovely pictures on Instagram. Your Instagram is just your name, right, Christy Purifoy? That's right. Love them. I went on last night and I'm like, look at those flowers. Look yeah. at look at where she's sitting with the window open with her inspiration. <laughs> I was like, beautiful. How many, you have four children? Four children. How old are yep. they? My oldest, uh, actually this week turns 13, uh, turns four next week. So, so yeah, busy, so busy family. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I hope you write another book. I hope there's something else that you're going to be writing about that we can really be really blessed with uh, because your writing also causes us to be thoughtful and slow down. How you write, the words you bring up are beautiful. Usually they're not words that I, I, I usually read, but it, just, it actually in your writing and thoughtfulness, it made me kind of go, and I had to sometimes reread sentences because they're, they're so picturesque. And so thank you. Thank you so much for this. Again, uh, to viewers and listeners, uh, Christy Purevoy's, uh, new book, Roots and Sky, A Journey Home in Four Seasons. She walks us through the seasons in in uh, Maplehurst. She talks a lot about finding God in ordinary days and the learnings that she experienced 
in this new season for her. So four years later, right, Christy? That's right. Four years later, you're still there. (laughs) That's such a great thing, a great testimony, I think, of your resilience and Uh and just what God's doing in and through you. And also, it's not completed yet. Even four years later, God is still doing a physical work in your home, right? right? That's awesome. So what a pleasure. Thank you so much for Skyping to me from Pennsylvania. Yes, and um, I look forward to hopefully meeting you if you're ever in, in Canada and in the Toronto area. It'd be great to meet you and hang out. So I love that. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Story with Melinda, an exclusive presentation of faithstrongtoday.com. Listen to past episodes by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and join the conversation with Faith Strong Today on Facebook.